Thanks for joining us and supporting Vikido Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness premium member. Go to www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join and register for a $6 monthly subscription. And remember, keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about cyberbullying. How safe are your kids? During National Bullying Prevention Month, the goal is to encourage schools, communities, and organizations to work together to stop bullying and cyberbullying, to put an end to hatred, racism, and intimidation by increasing awareness. Joining us is Dr. Jill Jackson, the Education Consultant Director at the Ohio Department of Education. She will be sharing with us resources and valuable information on how we can prevent, identify, and stop bullying. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks-Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks-Bright. Hi, Vicki Doe. How are you today? I am fine. I this- walked out this morning to do something, maybe to start my car or something, and it was it was kind of unusually warm today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just so doggone dark, and then I'm looking up, and I'm looking at the looking at the face of a deer and I'm like oh no I need to be back in the house (laughs) (laughs) looking at the face of a deer what I was outside and I heard rustling and I looked up and there was a deer standing over in the other yard I'm like oh no I need to be back in the house oh big time because you know the little the little deer and I've noticed I put some pumpkins out. I don't know. Do you have your pumpkins out yet? Isn't this the time where Dr. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Isn't this the traditional doe house Halloween decoration? Who thought about that? Uh, I have passed by your house and I have not seen the leaves on the Halloween decorations. I have not got motivated. <laughs> Look. Uh, I've been trying to keep quiet so we won't have to be discussing that. <laughs> I mean, has the pandemic stopped the Halloween? <laughs> oh, how? It might have. We'll, we'll discuss that a little bit later in the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. I just thought about that. That's funny. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Today, we are talking about bullying, more specifically cyberbullying, and the impact on our kids and adolescents. And so the question is asked, how safe are your kids? This month is National Bullying Prevention Month. Schools and organizations across the country join Stomp Out Bullying and just other various organizations in observing Um, National Bullying Prevention Month. And so the goal is to encourage schools, communities, and organizations to work together to stop bullying and cyberbullying and put an end to hatred um, and racism by increasing awareness of the prevalence and impact of all forms of bullying, regardless of demographics, where you're from, whether you're urban, rural, all of that. Let us get out the awareness to stop bullying because it does have impact on our children of all ages. And so what is bullying? Well, there's a definition 
by CDC. According to the CDC, bullying is a form of youth violence and an adverse childhood experience. Bullying is any unwanted aggressive behaviors by another youth or group of youth who are not siblings or current dating partners that involves an observed or perceived power imbalance and is repeated multiple times or is highly likely to be repeated. Bullying may inflict harm or distress on the targeted youth, including physical, psychological, social, or educational harm. And so common types of bullying include the physical kind, hitting, kicking, tripping, verbal, the name calling, or teasing, relational or social, such as spreading rumors, and leaving out, being left out of the group, damage to property of the victim. These are all types of bullying. And bullying can also occur through technology, which is called electronic bullying or cyberbullying. And so a young person can be a perpetrator, a victim, or both. How common is bullying? Well, if we look at the CDC statistics, according to the CDC, one in five high school students reported of being bullied last year, and nearly 29% of white high school students experienced bullying at school or electronically in the last year, compared to about 19% of Hispanic and 18% of black high school students. And studies have shown that youth who bully others and are bullied themselves suffer the most serious consequences, I should say, and are at greater risk for mental health and behavior problems. But there is good news. Bullying is preventable. That is why the CDC and other organizations are developing toolkits to help with spreading awareness and giving us strategies on how we can prevent and stop bullying. And so today we have joining us Dr. Jill Jackson, the Education Consultant Director at the Ohio Department of Education, where she leads the department's anti-bullying efforts. Dr. Jackson has been an advocate for many years towards making um, sure we create a, a safe and supportive teaching and learning environment for our children attending schools. She is here with us to discuss bullying in and outside our schools, specifically cyberbullying. She will be providing us with valuable information and tips on how we can prevent, identify, and stop bullying. We can't wait to hear from her. So what do you say, Dee? I'm excited. This is a good topic today uh, and a timely topic, too. A timely topic. Yes, yes, yes. And so we can't wait to um, hear from her. Now, listen, if you haven't already gone and, and checked out our Vicky Doe Fitness Health and Wellness website, vickydoefitness.com, Make sure you do that. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter, our email list to receive the updates about our new health wellness webinar trainings and online programs. Now, right now, we are showcasing our step-by-step -step weight loss boot camp masterclass online health and wellness program. It's a 12-week comprehensive weight loss program. And we also, you can also, we are also showcasing where you can sign up for our personal health and wellness webinar training, Get Back to Healthy Living. Now, these are um, health and wellness programs. They are there on our website under our Vicky Doe Fitness Academy. They are there for you to participate in and to get that healthy transformation that you have always wanted. And so we want to encourage all of you guys to start, start living healthy, start thinking about that, start making goals. Yeah, it's almost the end of this year, 2020, but yes, we are very close to 2021. And so it's never too late to start now. And we want you to go, go directly to vickidofitness.com forward slash training to learn more about our Vicky Doe Fitness online health wellness training programs today. And so I can't wait to meet you. And what do we always say, Dee? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Yeah, so D, yeah, we haven't gotten our Halloween 
much stuff <laughs> in order. You know, Dr. Doe is, you know, in charge of that. <laughs> I was going to say over the last years, Dr. Doe has been in charge of that. Yes, he has. He's been in charge of that. I just noticed that day when I was outside with that chair, I, I, there's two big pumps out of my pumpkins that I set up on the side. And now I know why. The deer have been coming around eating my pumpkins. So they've been eating your pumpkins. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, there's big holes. And I have two pumpkins on the side. So I can think of only a deer that would get up that high because they're both. One is on the ground, of course, but the other one is on a tree trunk. So it has to be unless it's a great big, big raccoon or something. Yuck. Well, you know, there's. I guess there's things that you can put out there to... Uh, keep these animals there away. There are. Yeah. Yeah, there are. Yeah, there are those those things. I don't want to do it. I had a brother-in-law. I have a brother-in-law one time that put some decon outside. He was trying to get rid of a skunk, and unfortunately the skunk ate the decon and died and fell into the vent in the house. Ooh. Imagine, you can imagine, they had to move out of that house for a while. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Yeah. So that's what happens sometimes when you feed these animal things and then they die and then you're left with the, you know, collateral damage. Yeah, that skunk, that skunk was, uh, yeah, it fumigated everything in the house. Yeah, I can imagine that. Oof, that's some yeah. stanky stuff. That's stanky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my sister-in-law said that's what happens when you're cheap and won't get a skunk remover. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, yeah, I was thinking about, yeah, Halloween, Thanksgiving, all of those things. We got to think about how we're yeah. going to do and them this year. I, yeah, I put on Facebook, as you know, and as Dr. Fauci has put out, yeah, we're going to have to put a pin in, in gatherings, you know, the, the, the kids going around for Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I think I put on there, we can't do over the river and through the woods to see grandma because that might mean death for grandma. You know, these kids, it's what I worry about that a lot of these college kids are coming home and they're in dorms where you know there's been an increase in cases of COVID in colleges since they've gone back to school. Many of them are asymptomatic and then now they're going to bring them home to multi-generational homes and, you know, that's not going to be good. You know, hopefully these kids will get COVID tests before they go home. So it's very, it's multifactorial. Yes, it is. Imagine. And, and it, so, uh, you know, multifactorial. I know, and it keeps us thinking now. Now we got to think about everything a little bit differently now. Absolutely. It's a whole new paradigm shift in how we think about everything, holidays, gatherings, everything. Yeah, until we get a vaccine, which is not, you know, it's coming, but, you know, the implementation of it is still going to take a while. And then you still, it's not going to be an immediate, the virus will disappear. So it'll still be around for a while. So we'll be into this about 2022 yeah we're gonna be into it yes indeed mm -hmm. so how was your week did you do anything exciting this week i didn't do anything exciting i just worked i've been on a lot of zoom has become my life i know right so i've had a lot of zoom calls i'm on a lot of covid committees nationally for a lot of different organizations and we've just been meeting nationally to talk to some of the pharmaceutical companies about vaccines and african-americans because, you know, when a vaccine comes out, African-Americans are going to be part of that, people that are going to need to take it. But because of this distrust and mistrust of the government, you know, a lot of, a lot of um, it's going to be very challenging to get somebody to dash out there and take a government-sponsored vaccine. I know. That's what I've been doing, and including working, which there's a surge, and the hospitals are filled. And it's reflected in what we do. Our consults, I'm, you know, seeing eight to ten consults a day, which is the most I've ever seen in my entire life. Wow. Yeah, it's busy. It's very busy. People are all in the emergency rooms. It looks like a mass unit down there, like war. It looks like war. I know. And it's being hit, too. Um, Midwest. We're part of the Midwest. Big time. Mm-hmm. Big time. Yeah. Yeah, big time. So you're just you yeah. you're busy working and doing doing your duty, yeah. right? Doing my thing, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. So what is going on this week? Everything, Vicky. Everything. The latest was we're not gonna have the classic Charlie Brown holiday I specials know. on TV. 
I know. What's that about? Well, I said, let me go find out the real scoop, you know, and I found out the real scoop. It's about money, I think. It says, and this was this was on TV, this was um, TV Channel 10, and it was saying, and they put it on their website, but they said, yeah, the Peanuts animated classics, including It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, will stream. They're, it's streaming on Apple TV. Plus, through a deal with Wild Brain, Peanuts Worldwide, and Lee Mendelson Film Productions, making Apple the home for all things Peanuts, according to a news release. And so a Charlie Brown Christmas and a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving are also included. The holiday specials have aired annually on broadcast TV since the 1960s. But yes, don't worry. They're telling us not to worry. We can watch the holiday specials for free during limited windows around each holiday. So that's how they're setting it up now. And so I guess... That's so sad. That's just so sad because, you know, back in the day, we only had CBS, ABC, and NBC. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have a smart TV or computer access or something that you can stream... Little kids are not going to be able to see this like we did. That's exactly it. That's exactly no. it. Yep, yep. I can barely find Apple TV, my doggone self. Yep. So, yeah, that's sad. For now, I guess the great it's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, the Halloween uh-huh. special will be available for free on the Apple TV Plus service, but it's going to be from October the 30th until November 1st. And then they're going to have, they got different times. So I guess the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, it's going to be available for free from November the 25th until November the 27th on the platform. Mm. And, and then a Charlie Brown Christmas will be available to customers for free from December the 11th until December the 13th. And so they're putting it out there. If you want more information about Apple TV, visit apple.com forward slash tvpr and look at some of the offers and you know the full list of supported devices but yeah that's changing everything what do we always say who's benefiting exactly it's usually not us we gotta pay Yeah, well, D, we got to think of something special or something where people got to pay I on I know, right? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I know. We got to jump on that bandwagon. I know. Big time. Well, you know, that's what they did with Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Get out with Disney. So we all ran, at least I did, pay $75 to get the Disney app, which I have now and don't ever use. I only got it to see Hamilton. I know. So So there it is. There it is. Benefiting. Who's, like Disney needed more money. I know. Who's benefiting? That's exactly it. Who's benefiting? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's that voting time. And yes, it's that voting time. And we're not a political show. But voting. No. Voting, as we have said, voting, how we look at our health care, how we look at our life, it is still influenced by the political system, whether we like it or not. And so that's why we encourage people, yes, go out and vote. Also, if you decide not to vote, that's on you too. But those of you that are deciding to go vote, go vote and go now, early. Absolutely. Yeah, because... Go now, right. Right, Dee, because it's important, right? Yeah, it's absolutely important, no matter who you vote for. But I, I just believe that you need to exercise... You're right. Mm-hmm. Because you're right. And particularly women, you know, I think my mother was born the year, two years after, two years before women even got the, the right to vote, mm. 1919. So, you know, and a lot of people died so that people could vote. There's just a lot of issues around voting. So, you know, it's going to be challenging this year. We see already seeing long lines and, you know, everybody wants to do social distancing and all that. But to the extent that you can, Everyone needs to get out and vote. Everyone needs to get out and vote. That's what I say. And operate with caution on every level because, you know, the atmosphere right now is a a little bit different 
be prepared to, to be in long, long lines. You know, get your chair, bring yeah. your chair, bring your music, you know, make it a, a event, but don't get discouraged. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We do not get discouraged. And there was a, a cartoon on Facebook with this guy. He had his backpack on, and like he was going on a hike or something. And his wife goes, well, where are you going? He goes, I'm going to vote. <laughs> that's it. That's, yeah. That's it. That's all we're going to say on it, folks. Go on and be out there. Right. Just go out there and do it. And do it. That's it. So what's the latest, D? Well, unfortunately, as was predicted, we're seeing a surge. And I was just looking at the statistics today. We're up to, today was the highest that we've been in the last three weeks, over 2,300 cases of new cases of COVID. Uh, the hospitals are getting overwhelmed. The healthcare system getting overwhelmed, and it's not even flu season. Mm. So there's not going to be any shelter in place done until after the election. We know that. But I say to people, you don't need somebody to tell you to stay home, social distance, and wear a mask. You shouldn't need to have to have somebody to say that. So do it yourself. Mm -hmm. Minimize going out. Don't go to bars. Minimize your time. And go back to the time where we couldn't go to bars. We couldn't go to restaurants. And order out and those kinds of things. So, yeah, that's what we need to do until we can get a handle on this or get a vaccine and or get a vaccine. So there is not one state in the nation that's going in the right direction, we were told this morning. Wow. Yeah, not one. Wow. And I heard, fortunately, I heard, I heard, happened to hear this is infectious disease week. Uh, this morning, Dr. Fauci gave a lecture at for the Infectious Disease Society, and he, like me, not that I get all my information from him and a lot, well, not, not necessarily from him, but he, he corroborated what I have been saying, that we will have a vaccine. I truly believe the data is looking good for one front runner, but I said it's going to be challenging to implement that vaccine, but I am comfortable, unless somebody turns into a werewolf with this vaccine between now and then, we will have a front runner by the end of December. Wow. That's good news, one. Uh But there's always suspect that for me in my lifetime, this is the fastest track to a vaccine that I've ever seen. So everything has to be, folks, have to proceed with caution. Proceed with caution. That's the word. Proceed with caution, yes. At least that's good news, right? It is very good news. It's very good news. In fact, so one of the companies is preparing to put, because I believe that they've already sent information to the FDA, but they have, are preparing to have 200 million doses of the vaccine for the United States at the end of uh, December. All right. So I don't think that, you know, I asked some executives for this company, well, one case derailed the whole thing, and they said yes. But, you know, uh, we're looking at corporate America and a lot of money. I don't think that they would invest that kind of money if they thought that there was going to be some kind of major hiccup between now and then. I think they have, I bet you the FDA has information already, and they're very early going over all the fine details. And what I also learned was these pharmaceutical companies do not look at their own safety data. That is given to someone else, but that would be like the fox guarding the chicken. Right. So they have other other unbiased organizations looking at safety data and profiles. So that gives you a little bit of comfort level. But again, proceed with caution. We will have a vaccine. Okay, we will have a vaccine. That's good to hear. We'll have a vaccine, yes. That's good to hear. So thank you, Dee. You are welcome. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood-Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vicki Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. 
We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Well, today we are talking about bullying, specifically cyberbullying. And CDC has defined bullying as a form of youth violence. It's unwanted aggressive behaviors by another youth or group of youth. And it can inflict harm or distress on the targeted youth, which may lead to serious consequences and cause greater risk for mental health and behavior problems. Now, joining us today is Dr. Jill Jackson, an education consultant director at the Ohio Department of Education. She will be sharing with us steps and ways that we can take to address and all forms of bullying, especially cyberbullying, to ensure the health and well-being of our youth. So let's listen our interview with Dr. Jill Jackson. And here with us today is Dr. Jill Jackson West, the Education Consultant Director at the Ohio Department of Education, where she leads the department's anti-bullying efforts. Dr. Jackson is well known throughout Ohio and nationally for her unwavering commitment and dedication advocacy towards creating a positive school climate and a safe and supportive teaching and learning environment for children attending Ohio schools. She's passionate about supporting how we should have support, and she also develops educational teaching training programs that are aimed in promoting a positive school climate and in implementing bullying prevention practices that will help students, families, and school staff. This month is Bullying Prevention Awareness Month. This makes having Dr. Jackson, our guest today, so timely because she is here with us to discuss bullying in and outside of our schools, giving emphasis to a specific type of bullying, and that is cyberbullying. We'll be providing valuable information for parents, family members, and educators to help identify, address, and reduce the impact of cyberbullying on our children. So how are you today, Dr. Jill? I am awesome. Thank you so very much for having me. Yes. We're so happy that you're here. Yes, we are so happy that you're here. Dr. Jill, I will start out. Can you share with us your story and your role as the Education Consultant Director at the Ohio Department of Education? So at the Ohio Department of Education, I uh, I work in the Office of Integrated Student Support. And in the Office of Integrated Student Support, we work to assist Ohio schools in meeting the needs of the whole child. So let me talk about that just a little bit. The Ohio Department of Education last year rolled out Ohio's Strategic Plan for Education. And in Ohio's Strategic Plan for Education, there was a great emphasis on what we um, know as the whole child. And so not only thinking about education as specific to instruction, but um, education as a specific to meeting the social, emotional, as developmental, as well as educational needs of the student. Our office, the Office of Integrated Student Support, is specifically charged with meeting in the strategic plan, what's known as strategy seven, for meeting the needs of the whole child. And so in our office, we address the whole child needs as it pertains to school safety, student engagement, student support, health, the health and well-being of students, as well as ensuring a challenging teaching and learning environment for Ohio schools. Within um, those content areas that I just described, my focus is primarily on the tenet we call safe or the safety of students. And that is ensuring student safety both from a physical 
as well as social-emotional perspective. For Ohio schools, we address and approach student safety from a variety of perspectives. Of course, what we, ha we have what we call hardware safety, if you will, and that's like physical building safety and or the safety of students against criminal activity and ensuring that emergency management plans and um, students are safe from incidents, up including in, you know, pandemics, if you will. The other side of the safety work is around behavioral safety. I always share with Ohioans as I talk around the state, around the country, quite frankly, is that um, that physical safety is truly contingent upon, you know, behavioral safety and how we operate and practice as individuals in Ohio schools. And this is for staff and students. I know oftentimes we think in education that we are specific to student behavior, but we should always be inclusive of thinking about adult behavior as well because it is both teaching and guiding, modeling, if you will, for Ohio students. So my work is specific to student support and um, student safety. My work then is going to be reflective of school, positive school climate. We're going to talk a bit about that. In addition to positive school climate, the behavioral components also include um, anti-harassment, intimidation, and bullying, as well as the prevention of risky behaviors, which would include reduction or prevention of substance use, alcohol, tobacco, and other drugs, awareness of student mental health or behavioral health needs, suicide ideation or suicide prevention, anti-harassment, intimidation, and bullying, and teen dating violence including cyberbullying and any bullying activities on school buses, as well as child abuse and human trafficking. So when we talk about safe schools and safe school behaviors, those are the specific behaviors and legislation in Ohio that I address with Ohio schools. So quickly, positive school climate is reflective of the school environment not only from the physical safety perspective, but how inviting is an environment. How does the students feel when they come to school? Are they, um, do they feel that the environment is challenging and supportive yet safe? How do students experience school and ensuring that those that determine how students experience school, which are the adults, right, which are the superintendents, which are um, the board members, which are the principals and the staff, how do we work with them? to ensure strategies for creating a positive teaching and learning environment. I always say as a mantra, if teachers can't teach, students can't learn. So we have to start with that baseline of an environmental strategy of positive school climate. And on the Ohio Department of Education website, you were to go into the search and type in school climate, you would get the guidance that we provide Ohio educators at this point around how to create that positive environment. Next would be, again, the anti-harassment, intimidation, and bullying policy that I'm going to probably dig into a little bit more in the discussion, but again, have responsibility with that, and then I'll talk more about the alignment of the safety and violence prevention curriculum and requirements as we talk throughout this conversation as well, which gives adult guidance on how to identify and respond and support students with these behavioral needs. I know that oftentimes when we think about these behaviors, we think about, again, like I shared, students, students, students. But from the state perspective, in order to support those students' needs, our work is directly for the adults. It is directly for actually, you know, superintendents and boards who make decisions locally in Ohio about how policies are implemented. So I think this is maybe a last good point to make in this section about my work at the Department of Education is not only do we address these content areas, but how we address them is, is hugely important. We'll talk about that a little bit more throughout the conversation, but what we do as a state agency is ensure districts have policies in place. Do districts have the anti-harassment, intimidation, and bullying policy in place? How they implement that policy what programs, procedures, process are determined locally. As a local control state, communities, family members, students are always encouraged to become aware of your district policy and ask questions about your district policy and how it's implemented to ensure your students' needs are met. So I know that was a really long introduction, Dr. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Doe and Dr. D, but that's just a little, well, I, literally, of I what do. I do. <laughs> 
I do have a question then in following up on all of that. Actually, two. Number one, with all these policies and, you know, ways to implement them, with that, how are you doing outcome measures? Because I always say it's great to have policies in place, but, you know, I don't want you to make it a lengthy answer if you can. How do you measure, how do you, how do, you do outcome measuring? As a state agency, we ensure compliance. We don't measure performance uh-huh. and outcomes. Our goal is to ensure districts have policies in place. And the only policy I really spoke to in the introduction is the anti-harassment, intimidation, and bullying mm-hmm. policy. The mm-hmm. other one are is school climate, their guidelines, so there's no measurement mm-hmm. there. And um, how um, policy is implemented, it's implemented locally, but there's no requirement or accountability on implementation. At the state level, it's just do they have a policy in place. From your level, from the state level, it's just making sure that each of these schools have the policies in place. Is that what it is? District. District. At the state level, mm-hmm. support at the district level. Okay. I have the local control state. So mm-hmm. in each community, we vote for local school board members. Mm-hmm. School board members are responsible for ensuring, one, their district has a policy in place for all the schools in their district to adhere to. Okay. Districts determine policy implementation in the building level. We do not. We okay. just ensure districts across the state, the over 600 districts, have a policy in place so their boards, superintendents, determined locally, can determine implementation. And that's significant. Let me quickly touch on that. Okay. There are, in Ohio, various typologies of school districts. There's suburban districts. There's urban inner city districts, rural districts. How bullying takes place or any behaviors take place in a suburban district is going to be very different than in a rural district and likewise very different in an inner city urban district. So state legislature, long time ago, in fact, it is in our constitution in Ohio, so that we're a local control state for education to be determined locally. It's important that community members, again, have school board members in place that are reflective of the needs and values um, and education of their students so that board members can ensure policy is implemented to meet the needs of the students, you know, given their community, be it suburban, um, urban, or rural. Other than the principal, do most districts have a liaison officer other than the principal? Is there somebody that's identified typically at the school level or how, how is the you know, organizational structure that other than the principal reporting to you to somebody, a liaison officer, the individual school, because that's a lot to oversee. You, you mentioned about eight or nine things. So that's what I was wondering. Is there a liaison officer in each school or try to be other than the principal? So I mentioned various topic areas, but they are compartmentalized into two content areas. Well, maybe mm-hmm. I sh- should say three. One is school climate, the other is anti-harassment, intimidation, and bullying, and the third one is going to be the safety and violence prevent curriculum and training. So the school climate guidelines, the reason I say two, they are also embedded in the anti-harassment, intimidation, and bullying policy and the um, safety and violence prevention training because they are the forerunner, first of all, of, of the three bodies of work, as well as are, again, foundational um, to the other two bodies of work or pieces being implemented. Next, Ohio model anti-harassment, intimidation, and bullying policy. The school principal or administrator or their designee is responsible Mm -hmm. for the policy implementation. And we can talk more about the components of what the anti-HIP policy are in a second. The next piece is then going to be training for educators statewide, which is that safety and violence prevention training that contains those four modules. The introductory module, which is on school climate, and then the four modules are, again, on um, identification of alcohol, tobacco, and drug use among students Mm -hmm. and behavioral health needs, which aligns with the work of the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services and our state partner in this work. The next is modules on suicide ideation, again, a mental health initiative um, and supported through that partnership. The next module is then the bullying module, and then the last one is the human trafficking and child abuse. That's all one module, and it's requ- I mean one curriculum, and it's required for educators to have every five years. And so that is a district requirement that they ensure that their staff have through professional development. 
So it kind of, um, I gave you a lot of content of initially to kind of give a scope of all of the content areas that Department of Education support Ohio schools with. But um, hopefully, as I define those three buckets, there's no requirement for the um, school climate piece. The um, anti-harassment, intimidation, and bullying is worked out locally through the principals, but we just ensure that they have a policy in place and then um, the training is provided by the district and we just have them provide evidence that they've done so. So tell us then, Mm -hmm. what is the actual differences? Since we're going to be focusing on cyberbullying, the question is asked, okay, what's what's the major difference between cyberbullying versus the traditional, you know, bullying that happens? The anti-harassment, intimidation, and bullying policy talks about, it defines the behavior. So that's what Ohio's educators, students, families should reference. They should also reference their local district, their local district policy. So the um, anti-harassment, intimidation, and bullying policy and the local policies should define the bullying behavior uh, for you. But in response to your question, uh, Dr. Doe, because of course you want to know what um, bullying, harassment, intimidation is. In Ohio schools, primarily the difference is that the behaviors occur, you know, online. But what I want to do is I want to give you um, the definition that we provide in the policy so that we can have, again, a more consistent definition in response to your question. So in Ohio, bullying, harassment, intimidation is defined as harassment, intimidation, or bullying can include behaviors that include physical violence or attack, any written, verbal, or graphic or physical act that has a student or group of students exhibited toward another student, particularly a student that has once and the behavior has both, so it's occurred more than once, and the behavior has caused mental or physical harm to another student, is sufficiently, severely persistent or pervasive that it creates an intimidating and threatening or abusive educational environment for the student violence within a dating relationship, and by electronic means, an electronic act means uh, an act committed through the use of a cellular telephone, computer, pager, personal communication device, or other electronic communication device. So what are some of the leading issues today? Has the pandemic impacted one more than the other, or how could we, when we, wherever we talk about anything today, we got to throw COVID in there, so anything stick out? Of course, we probably should talk about, that was a textbook definition, right, of, 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 bullying, of bullying behavior um, as far as where there is a persistent, first of all, persistent pervasive threat. That's how we define bullying behavior. Oftentimes, since I've been working at the department and working with the policy since its inception, is that people think one-time incidents are bullying incidents. And so we're always clear to make sure, you know, we hate that students have to experience things multiple times, but... The persistence and the pervasiveness is truly, you know, what defines bullying behavior. And that, again, there is a issue of power if someone is trying more powerful than another person in one way, be it face-to-face, physically, or online. And because of the pandemic, unfortunately, like, we're online more, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, the likelihood of uh, these behaviors being more persistent without an intervention is probably occurring, Right. Uh-huh. So we don't have the support that schools would offer or teachers would offer throughout the day because they don't necessarily mm-hmm. have the ability to see or intervene as we had, um, you know, historically. So right. what we really do is we really encourage everyone. We need all hands on deck during this period. Mm-hmm. If you're around a young person or a student and they're online, it's not so much about the technology. It's really about, you know, the behavior and what behaviors are young people displaying. The Ohio Department of Education has also provided social-emotional learning standards to really help bolster students' social-emotional learning skills. And when you think about social-emotional learning skills, those are the things that really kind of guide not only our, our own behavior, but how we interact with others. So it's about being aware of what your students are doing, um, you know, kind of some old school basics, you know, uh-huh. what your students are doing, uh-huh. um, be aware of their behaviors and sign symptoms of something going wrong because of their participation online, something different than um, in the past, some withdrawal symptoms or some reluctancies to um, do normal things. 
may be signs and symptoms of your student may be experiencing some cyberbullying during this pandemic because, of course, increased online time, but also other students' behaviors showing risk and, and bullying behavior online. For a parent, what would they kind of look for to see if, you know, they see something's different about their child? What do they look for? Can you help us with that? Just showing about looking at those different patterns okay. of student behavior. But we can talk, you know, a little bit more about that and talk about, you know, students that may be, you know, more at risk. We have data mm-hmm. from what we call student report surveys. So in Ohio, there's the Ohio Youth Risk Behavior Survey, as well as other surveys that students may take at school or at their community-based programs that talk about the incident or the rate in which they experience harassment, intimidation, and bullying. So in 2019, the YRBS talked about 13.9% of high school students reported they were bullied on school property, okay? 13.3% of high school students reported they were electronically bullied in 2019. Um, as far as cyberbullying, 43.1% of students in middle school said they were not bullied on school property, but they were bullied um, said they were bullied electronically. So first, a lot of people feel like bullying doesn't still go on. So the reason I started with spend data is, you know, to confirm that, you know, bullying very much is still occurring. Even though it's online, it may be a little less visible Mm -hmm. than the old school methods of physical bullying and face-to-face, you know, or verbal bullying. And uh, first, aware, you know, that don't don't have your head in the sand, if you will, um, that, that bullying is still going on. It's very much still it's very much still does occur and the other piece is that bullying can affect everyone. So it doesn't just affect the person that's bullied, it also affects those that who did the bullying, who were recipients of the bullying behavior, as well as what we call bystanders or upstanders, right? The mm-hmm. folks that are just in the environment. So you can use any general situation that was traumatizing. So maybe just to say the news, <laughs> you know. I know. It doesn't just necessarily affect you know, the people in the story, but it can affect those that, you know, are in the environment, right? And that's why we talk a lot about positive climate so that we move students from being bystanders and um, having, you know, traumatizing experiences as a result of the bullying, but creating positive school climates, changing students from bystanders to upstanders so that they can work to reduce and eliminate these behaviors. So students that are bullied, again, um, experience negative Physical, social, emotional, academic, and mental health issues, Dr. That you know, it can range. So anything from depression and anxiety, increased feelings of sadness and loneliness, changes in sleep, changes in eat, um, lost in interest that they previously had, health complaints, and academic decline, for sure. That's one of the things as administrators we really work to share with administrators and educators. For us, are the two triggers in education are, well, three, I should say, behavior, academic and, um, decline in attendance. So students stop coming to school, you see a change in attendance in elementary school or in high school, certain periods they're cutting all the time. You know, there may be an opportunity to discuss why students don't feel safe and supported at school. That would be, for that student, a school climate issue. Based on their behavioral experience, they don't feel safe at school. Why don't they feel safe at school? Maybe because some of these experiences um, they've had um, with students in the building or online. Are there any demographics that stick out, socioeconomic or race, ethnicity, or any of those? So because harassment, intimidation, and bullying is about power imbalance, anywhere there's power imbalance, there's bullying. So earlier I talked about typologies, right? Over the years, originally people thought that risk factors, um, or we also call ACEs, which are looking at students, maybe areas in which they've had high trauma or high stress, right? So it's called adverse childhood experiences, right? ACEs. So people used to think ACEs only occurred in, like, poor areas, you know? Uh, And I'm so glad research has turned that around because ACEs are contextual to your experience. So suburban students in their communities, if there is a situation that occurs for them, it can be equally as traumatizing if it was, you know, a student in a uh, a rural or inner city uh, district. So, again, just leveling the playing field Mm -hmm. that this can happen, you know, for all students because 
it's about a power imbalance. So even in suburban communities, if there's a power imbalance, oftentimes you see it culturally mm-hmm. um, in, in suburban communities. And in rural communities, I really see it economically. I see, a, 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 you know, kind of the haves and have-nots um, in, in district. Who's on the a football team? Who's mm-hmm. the coach? Mm-hmm. You know, kind uh, of thing. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. Right. And then in rural communities. In urban communities, it varies. <laughs> it just depends on mm-hmm. what the issue of power is. So don't forget, uh-huh. that's why bullying can occur in various forms in all environments. Um, because it's mm-hmm. about, it's about I feel like I can one-up, I have power over. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, that person that's the perpetrator and that likes to bully folks, for some reason, probably has high levels of aggression, thinks badly of others, views violence as something that, you know, is, is okay. So in um, different varying communities, you can kind of think about how that may apply to different populations. In Ohio, unfortunately, we don't have a standardized assessment tool for harassment, intimidation, and bullying, what we have is what I shared with you all earlier, which is the YRBS, which really comes from the CDC, again, YRBS in the Youth Risk Behavior Survey. It is a national survey that all states are asked to administer to get student report data for each state. But we don't have um, a state tool that all school districts, because not all schools take the YRBS. So it's hard to answer that, to generalize that statewide. Okay. What bullying occurs mm-hmm. um, or is reported would be known by each district. Again, going back to local control and how I described reporting earlier, mm-hmm. we just make sure they have policy. But when the policy is implemented, bullying is reported. That's the first thing. See, the policy says here's the definition. When the behavior occurs, it's to be reported. Schools are to have three ways of reporting bullying behavior, be it anonymous, formal, or informal. Once that occurs, the principal or the designee is to do an investigation. Okay. Once they do the investigation, they're to then provide an intervention to respond to what behaviors were identified to, of course, reduce, eliminate, or prevent them from happening again. So in that student-level um, investigation and reporting, they would know the demographics of their students that are dealing with or reporting these behaviors. Any questions on that? One quick last one, you know, mm-hmm. because of what I do as an infectious disease doctor. Are you seeing an increase in bullying or reports of bullying in the LGBTQ community in schools? So that's a common question, mm-hmm. um, and we get a lot of uh, questions around this topic mm-hmm. of breast intimidation and bullying and student and student groups. So the first thing is that I always have to share with reporters and folks that come in GLSEN, we get a lot of, we work a lot with GLSEN, if you all are familiar with GLSEN, as an advocate organization for students that have various sexual, you know, orientation, mm-hmm. that our policy is not numerated. Okay. So it does not identify student populations in the policy. Like, in, uh, it wouldn't say, you know, um, this policy supports a particular, you know, a bulleted group of students. It's not. It says all students. It always has. And so the board's perspective was that it was encompassing because some populations have more, communities have more LBGTQ students than others. So to numerate would they leave out a group that was, you know, at risk in one community versus the other. So we really just use a broad sweeping term. We work a lot with GLSEN, as I said again. GLSEN really works to promote the prevention of bullying, harassment, intimidation of of their students. And so we really look to them as the source for support and reference schools there for their resources because, again, our policy isn't numerated. But, again, we don't necessarily have, we don't get the student report data back at the state level. So to be able to, you know, definitively say, yes, you know, students are harassed more than others would not be fair in Ohio, but national data for sure says that identified, you know, target groups like LGBTQ students and students of color mm-hmm. um, are traditionally um, bullied more because of that power indifference. 
before we wrap up, I want you to share with our audience, where can they go look? There's a cyberbullying prevention toolkit for Ohio School, you know, maybe talk a little bit about that. But yeah, share with our audience where they can go to find um, all of this information and resources that you have um, spoken about today. Absolutely. Thank you so very much. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Doe and Dr. D for your questions today. The first, I'm going to provide three, three web resources that would, I think, be good start for informing, informing Ohio's um, anti-harassment, intimidation, and bullying policy, as well as resources for students and educators and families. Again, go to the Ohio Department of Education uh, website, and when you get to the search bar on the ODE website, Please just type in the word bullying. I tried to make it as simple as possible. That's the issue and concern people are having. So when you type in the word bullying, it will take to resource links, but the first one will say anti-harassment, intimidation, and bullying policy resources. So I say enjoy yourself. I have a quick little uh, less than 10-minute video on there that you can use, share, take with you to have conversations about what Ohio's policy says and what they want to think about locally in the implementation of your district policy to make um, sure that your students are safe and appropriately responded to, right, when bullying occurs. So that is one. The second, then, is going to be um, the stopbullying.gov, and that is uh, the U.S. Department of Education's national resource for uh, addressing bullying behavior of all kinds. So it will be physical bullying. You'll also see cyberbullying resources on there, great resources on there for parents and educators for a deeper dive into how to be responsive. And that's what we really want Ohioans to know. Not only what bullying is, um, what the role of schools are, but then how everyone can be supportive of responding to students' behavioral health needs. Because right now, like Dr. D has said, we're in a, you know, a pandemic, but as say in education school closure <laughs> we're doing you know remote learning yes. and so we need those eyes um, and ears a part of the supports for students that weren't traditionally in place the last one is then going to be pacer.org and pacer.org is a national website but the reason i'm providing them is because they are the forerunners and leaders of national um, bullying prevention month so they have that um, historic and information on there as well as um, site, um, resources that would be relevant and, and, and necessary in the work. So those are the three I, I think that I wanted, I wanted to leave with everyone, Dr. Doe. Thank you, Dr. Jackson. How can people... Thank you very much. Yes. How can people get in touch with you? And, and you have told us the place where they should go and get all this other information and resources. But if people wanted to just maybe email you personally with questions and all that, how can they get in touch with you? It's also on the Anti-Harassment, Intimidation, and Bullying Resources site. Okay. But it is jill.jackson at education. So repeat that one more time. Sure. J-I-L-L dot Jackson at education dot Ohio dot And thanks a lot, Jill. We will see you later. I appreciate you all both <laughs> very much. Thank, thank for all you. That you're doing. Yes, thank Bye you, then. Dr. Jill. Bye-bye. 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 Now, this ends our show, D. Do you have some tips that we should think about? Well, I think uh, Dr. Jill's interview was very timely and very important. She outlined a lot. I mean, when she was listing those things, there's a lot that goes into bullying and harassment. And I think she, you know, it was very interesting to hear her talk about all those different things under that umbrella. Um, and it sounds like they're doing a great job. You know, we're in challenging times with the pandemic, but uh, it was a great it was a great interview. And you know, this is a whole new paradigm shift with bullying you know kids have access to computers now and the things that they do and parents don't know anything about it so it's good to know that there we have a calvary down at the ohio department of education and so yes she gave us resources for us to go to i think that we should definitely go and look and see what she along with her colleagues, have provided us a, a place of resource 
that we can go and look and, you know, get the information that we need to help us, to help us in, you know, working with the prevention of bullying. And so to find out more about anti-harassment, intimidation, and bullying, go to the Ohio Department of Education, their website. That's education.ohio.gov. And in the search bar, type in bullying. That website is education.ohio.gov. That's a good show. That was a good show, right, Dee? It was excellent. Yes, yes, yes. And as always, for more information, go to our website, vickidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.